we're going to jump you in here to a conversation that we started right at the beginning of the podcast. We had all kinds of issues with the third-party tool that we use to record podcasts here for Fire Within. And Vinny had some strong opinions that were pretty funny. So we wanted to include them here for you. Zoom work. <laughs> Are you recording? You, know, you got to record this. So I, it drives me up. Whenever we went into lockdown, yeah. I got a call from Corolla and he goes, hey, what, 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 you, you doing? what are you doing? I said, I'll use Zoom. One of the biggest podcasts in, in the world. They didn't question it. They didn't go, let me use some stupid fucking third thing where <laughs> nothing works. Yeah, it's like, Joe, you're making it complicated for no reason whatsoever. It's funny. I just had this conversation with him. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because the only time it ever breaks yeah. is when you really need it to work. It's only broken. No, 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 I'm not buying it. You, Brandon, <laughs> let's, let's talk as if Joe is not in the room. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do this to make you think that you can't do this on your own, making him obsolete. <laughs> I'm telling you that's all it is. I fired every fucking guy like Joe. I've, I've just said, fuck it, you're, you're done. You don't, you're don't. you recording, right? This is gold. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable what you guys do. It's, it, Zoom figured it out. Skype thought they had it. Skype was like Bluetooth. Skype was Bluetooth. And let me tell you why. <laughs> let me, let me, it's analogous. Hang on. Bluetooth was created somewhere around 2000, maybe 1999. Bluetooth came out. And they, they looked at themselves and went, you know what? like a millennial, we're so proud of what we did. They never made Bluetooth better. Everything else in the world has increased. Bluetooth still sucks. It's oh, it works away. It's cutting in and out. Wait, it works with this. Now it's not working with that. They went, ta-da, and then that was it. <laughs> Can you imagine if fucking Chevy or Ford or, or Dodge had done that and we were still dealing with those jalopies? <laughs> no. But Bluetooth, that's what we did. Skype did the same thing. It's like, ta-da, look at us, we're Skype. Guess what? Zoom came in and kicked your ass. And you guys weren't even using Skype. You were using something worse than Skype, something that really sucked. Yeah. Oh, I used all kinds of shit. We, Joe, we figured out two cans and a string a long time ago. You, you put a can, a string, and you could talk to your neighbor. We used to play it when I was a kid. We didn't stick with that technology. We moved on. <laughs> okay. You're saying that Riverside is like two cans and a string? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I'll yeah, let them know. Much. They sent me like an email and then some swag the other day because I'm like one of their power users. So I'll let them know next time I chat with them. <laughs> and that, that's how they blow smoke up your ass. You're a power user. Yeah, they're like, here's some uh, uh, free user. stuff that I won't use, by the way. Is it yeah, power I, bottom I, of turf? Anyway. Uh, it is. <laughs> one of my best friends is a gay. Yeah, it's gay. It was a gay. He still is so, gay. So I'm you know? Team Zoom, and I bitch about Riverside every time we do one of these. Um, it does sound better, but to me, if it's a bad experience, I don't give a shit. But you just give a shit. I had the same problem with uh, Mike Rose guy, Chuck Klausmeyer. And Chuck had five, just like Joe over there, five reasons as to why we had to do Riverside. I was like, none of those reasons. We had the same conversation. None of these reasons matter. That's our thing. As sound engineers, we, we pretend that like the 5% better that the sound can get that nobody can hear is important. Audio files can all suck my happy dick. <laughs> you know, every one of you guys. So, so, let me tell you something. I did a podcast one time in my car using an SM58. In my car, I had audio files calling me going, that's the boot. That's the best sound I've ever heard. Yeah, I was sitting in a car with a fucking <laughs> stage mic. A sure stage mic. And you got you guys know nothing. Nothing. 
I should be podcasting from my car with a fucking stage, <laughs> according to audio files. <laughs> Don't even get me started. The Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Thank you for uh, then decating my uh, stance on Zoom. <laughs> I hear you. Next time I'll probably send you a Riverside link. <laughs> it's never going to come back. I will never come back. If you ever send me a Riverside link again, Joe, I will never come back. I promise. I've never spent a dime on getting better quality anything. It's just not worth it because yeah. of the way people consume this stuff. Just got to get in the ballpark. Yeah. Ballpark. I, I barely make it into the stadium. <laughs> I give it a parking lot half the time. <laughs> Stuck on a freeway trying to get in the parking lot. We wanted to have you on today. Uh, we went and saw your documentary, Beyond Impossible. I liked it. Yeah, we had some oh, laughs, good information. We actually did a whole episode where we picked it apart, talked about different segments of it, and really encouraged everybody to go check it out. So that came out two weeks ago to prime us for this uh, discussion today. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. When you say pick it apart, that usually has a negative connotation. Well, no, no, we think the way you presented it was pretty fair. We really enjoyed the liturgical music kind of that indoctrination behind some of it. And we fully support the movie, I, especially the, the side that if you want to be vegan because you want to, not because of these guys. And then when we look at how crappy some of the fake products are and how bad they are for you and trying to pass that on as food is, but you can either, if you want to take the lead on this, otherwise I was just going to start from the beginning of our notes and talk through different sections and get your uh, tidbits on it. Let's just go in with your notes because I never know where anyone wants to go with the conversation. How did you like making this one versus the fat documentaries? Was it anything different? Anything about the process? Yeah. Was, um, you feel like you get better it, at it? <laughs> it, it was a lot different because when I did the first one, there was a lot of, it was like using an antiquated sound system to try to bring someone in on a podcast. <laughs> we, well, I'll tell you, I don't think people realize how much the world's changed between 2017 and today. And but that's a really great question, John. I don't hate you so much anymore. Um, <laughs> when we did it in 2017, I felt like I had to get all of these doctors and, and people like Nina Teichos and Gary Taubes in the room. So that cost a hell of a lot more money. We recorded a lot of these people in the first movie, Fatter Documentary. We recorded those people. There was a convention. A lot of people were going to be there. We got two hotel rooms and we created a soundstage. We literally, like the A-team, we, we went and we had two cube vans show up. The hotel was none the wiser. We were like in a really nice hotel. And we went in and I don't know if people know this, but the beds and the desk and everything in these nice, they're all bolted down and bolted to the wall. And we you know, had a whole team going there. We cleared out these rooms. We turned one bathroom into video village and we turned another area into sound village. And we made a sound stage out of a room. Wow. And we had the sound people, we had everything in there. We, we just did it like that because I wanted to get all of these people. So if you saw my first movie, Fatted Documentary, um, it's done way differently where everybody's in the room. And then we went back to Woodland Hills to shoot my part. So if you see that movie, I'm sitting literally in my house with the fireplace going. You can see the fire popping off the side of my face. And that's the way that movie was done. It's very expensive. And 
then when we did the second movie, we fat two, it was during the pandemic. I had a lot of footage I was able to just use from fat one and all that kind of stuff. But the one thing we learned was that the world got used to this system, the Skype or um, Zoom. Yeah, everything on the news, everybody was just doing Zoom for just for doing months. Zoom, yeah. right? Yeah, national national news, and that went on for a year. So I I came up with the idea of, man, I I can save a, a ton of money if I just do these interviews the way we're doing this interview right now today. And if you notice that was a big difference when I'm talking to Tony Hampton or Lear Keith or Dr. Frank Mitlerner or, or Frederick Lacroix, I, I named four different people. Two of them were in California. One of them was in France and the other one was in Chicago. And I was able to just bring them in, just bring them in on Skype. On, I'm saying Skype, but on Zoom. And people accept that now. What I didn't realize was you can easily, by doing that, knock a clear $150,000 right out of your budget just by doing that. Now it's still expensive. I shot mine on a soundstage on my part. And, but it becomes more nerve wracking when you do that. You didn't realize this question was going to give you this much of an answer. <laughs> what do you mean it gets more nerve wracking? It feels like more pressure when you're on a soundstage versus when you're just in a Zoom. No, I turned my house into a soundstage, but on mine, I went to California first. I drove to California. It was in the middle of the pandemic still. And I hired, a, you know, it's weird. Everybody's walking around with a mask on and, you know, a shield. In California, it really went nuts. And I, I, I'm on soundstage and no one wants to touch me because I don't have a mask on and all this stuff. And because I can't have a mask on, I'm doing a, a thing. And I had to sit there and talk. So every time you see me talking, I'm creating out of thin air of what I'm talking about because there were no interviews done yet. Okay. So... I had to remember what I said on that soundstage and then come back and ask people the per the just the pertinent questions because there was no going back and doing another soundstage. So it cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per day to do that. Yeah. So I had to get all of my stuff. When I'm in that camel colored shirt, all of that was shot one day. Yeah. And then I came back and started interviewing everyone. And at that time, I was still hoping to get people, some of these vegan doctors on like Michael Greger or McDougal, or that wasn't just a bit. People think that's a bit I put in the movie. I was hoping that any of these guys would come out. pretty shocking. And I appreciated you sharing the emails and stuff. And especially hearing what you're saying about like how easy it would have been just to zoom in. It's not like you were asking for like four days to come to a soundstage or whatever. They could have just popped in for a 20 minute call. Oh, and, and we told them that we, we, whenever they would say, I'm busy, I'll need 45 minutes one day. And the crazy part is when you call Tony Hampton or Frank Mitlerner, Tony Hampton's got a, a major practice. He's a medical doctor in Chicago and he does a podcast and he's got kids at home. When I sent Frank, when, when I sent um, Tony an email, within a few hours, I got an email back. I just said, Hey, I'm doing another documentary. Would you like to be in it? Mm -hmm. And without asking me what it was about, he was like, absolutely. Frank Mitlerner was doing my podcast one day and I said, Hey, I'm doing a documentary. I love what you have to say. Would you like to be in it? Yeah. Yeah. Just whenever send, send the thing to my people, Frederick Lacroix within hours got back to me. Yeah. All of these guys just got right back to me. No, they, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. My, my assistant sent them exactly the same email that everyone else got. 
And some of them, what's this all about? What What's the angle of the film? And I said, hey, they're doing these fake meats and I want to get the vegan perspective. And I'm planning on asking you the same 13 questions I asked everyone else. It wasn't like I was going to try to hang them up or do anything else. I, I was being very sincere. You saw the letter I, I read. I had my wife read the letter in that very expensive sound booth, by the way. Read that letter on. Oh, that was your wife's voice. Yeah. 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 Okay. That, that was, I said, hey, would you like to be in my movie? The same letter I sent to everyone else. And you saw the, the circus that went on around these people. Yeah. You know, it's that one where they're saying you, know, you have to have a certain amount of listeners or whatever, and you'd surpass that. And they still said that was just some horse shit. That was Michael Greger. <clears throat> he, he said, you have to have a certain amount. You have to pass all of these criteria. And we didn't just pass the criteria. Now, I probably have a following of over a million people even though my Twitter does, because I'm shadow banned on Twitter and they removed my, you know, Wikipedia and all that kind of stuff. But we, between Mike Rowe having me on and Adam Carolla having me on like close to a hundred times now, I have a big follow. Yeah. Oh, and look, I'm not, this is not bragging. I'm recognizing airports. The end. When you can walk through an international airport, and this doesn't, I'm, I'm not like Lady Gaga. I don't get recognized all the time. But Although you, you could wear a meat dress. It would kind of go with your thing. Yeah, that would be my thing. Every now and then I'll be in an airport sitting there and I'll notice someone looking at me and then they'll come over and go, you're Vinny. Because I have three movies out there and they play on airlines. So I'm recognized in airports. Okay. If I'm not big enough for you to come on, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. So now that you have kind of some time between when the movie's done, I'm sure you've been thinking about it. What do you, what's the real reason you think people don't want to come on? Is it discourse? Is it because how polarized we are as a country now so nobody can have a conversation anymore and they just think everybody's going to get mad or get canceled or lose followers? Or what do you think it is? I've been, they, these, all these guys know who I am. And I've said from the beginning, I've done 2,100 podcasts now. I've said, look, I welcome not just any vegan. I don't want some crazy vegan coming on the show, but any of the top vegans, people like Walter Willett or McDougal or any of them, Gregor, you know, Clapper. I know all these guys. I, I follow them. I, I follow what they're saying and listen to them. I've said to every one of them, you're welcome to come onto my show. But the first question you must answer is, if you're a vegan and if you were not allowed to take exogenous vitamins, where would you get the essential vitamin B12 from? I need a sat. I don't want to hear you could take a pill. That's an exogenous vitamin. I want to know how someone could have been a vegan in 1897. It was impossible because we didn't discover that vitamin by then. So I need that. I need that answered first. And then we'll get into amino acids. I'll go straight to amino acids. And they know that I understand the subject inside and out. And you can lie and say pea protein has more and spirulina has more. No, the only complete proteins are animal proteins, eggs, red meat. There's no getting around that. You look like you're chopping at the bit there, Mr. Willow. No, no, I'm good. I just don't know how to sit still. Okay. <laughs> but but that's the thing. You need to answer those questions. And since you can't answer those in a satisfactory form, and they know that won't be my last question that they can't answer. 
and, and I'm not going to let them off the hook. I, I want a real answer. And they're not going to give it to me. Move on. They're not going to be on the show. I thought it was interesting to me and to connect in the dots about, you said you want like not just any vegan, because some vegans cross the line into ideology. Like it's a belief system now, as opposed to much more. Some, 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 some vegans. <laughs> some that I've met, it seems. You mean every vegan. <laughs> but I guess I don't know that many vegans in real life. But I think that there is an ideology part that, and I guess that's the part of the political question I was asking. It feels like we're so used to like the way we consume our news and our politics and everything that if you're not in my echo chamber, if you're not, if you don't believe me, then you're dead to me and everything else you say is wrong. That's becoming so toxic and it's making discourse difficult. Yeah, I, I don't talk about politics on the show or on social media and no one knows what my politics are. I'm kind of like Sam Elliott in that way. Nobody knows what Sam Elliott is. They don't know if he's on the right or I'm the same way. No, you know, people make assumptions. Some people say, hey, he's on the right because he's a gun lover. I'm not in love with guns, but I shoot guns competitively. And I have for a long time. As you would say, Joe, people would go, oh, yeah, the, the divisiveness of it all would say he's on the right because he's a gun-toting guy. No, I tote my gun to a skeet range and yell, pull. It, it, I don't have AR-15s. Yeah, it's uh, almost like people are looking for a reason to write you off or to say, like, and for these reasons, you can't trust him about anything. Cause he has a gun. I have closets and I have safes full of guns, but they're all, they're sporting guns. And then other people go, no, he's on the left. And so how do you know he's on the left? It's his best friend and business partner is gay. <laughs> so people will sit there and try to figure out which side you're on. And, and, and when you don't fit right into their little cubbyhole, then they get confused as to who you are. Yeah. And there's crossover on both sides, but if they look at one particular issue, they try and polarize it. You're either all of this or all of that. But I've had that issue with family and who I chose to vote for and then the family getting upset. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my understanding is Thanksgiving is very tough in a lot of homes. I have one, one parent, and both of my parents are still alive. One is a Democrat and one's a Republican. And the crazy part is that they don't think any differently. As a matter of fact, the one that's a Democrat was very upset because they pulled down all the statues in New Orleans and Lee Circle. That was my Democratic parent. And I said, and he said, well, they pulled down all of the statues. And I went, you're a Democrat. That's what you're ilk. That's what they're doing. They think that somehow will cure the problems of slavery, which was a horrible thing. You can't erase history by pulling a statue down. I'm sorry. It just, I, I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. Right. And we're getting off base here, but the vegans work the same way. It's either if you eat any sentient being, you're a murderer, you're a killer. I, I, I was just having an argument on Twitter 20 minutes ago before I was arguing with you, Joe, about the fact that you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> with um, apparently, apparently, I argue a lot, but I was arguing with this vegan was saying, hey, you eat rotten corpses. And I said, no, number one, they're not rotten. I get the good fresh stuff. Number two, a corpse is human remains. That's the, the pure definition of a corpse, it's human remains. So I don't eat human remains and I don't eat rotten meat. So telling me I eat rotten corpses doesn't matter. You don't know what you're talking. You didn't even get the terminology. Get your terminology right and then come back. This is about choosing how you want to eat. 
And the arguments like that feel like so out of what? It doesn't make any sense to me. The ideology side of it, the wanting to vilify the other person so much. You shared that that woman's story who was a vegan for a long time, had some health issues, decided to eat red meat, started to feel better, and then shared this in a talk at a, some sort of looked like a high school or something. You had the footage of it. And she yeah. was to a room full of vegans. And instead of just having a discourse and being like, well, what was your experience like? Or she got attacked with like pies filled with cayenne pepper, which is a salt. Like it, I thought in the, you said in the documentary, and I think you're right on. It was a little comical to watch because it's hard not to giggle a little bit when somebody gets in the face of the pie, but still it's, it was a salt and it was, and nobody helped she, she had to go to she had to go to the hospital and not one person in that audience flinched a butt muscle it was at a university and those three guys were ushered out of the building and never caught wow they were they, ushered they, out of whatever the yeah yeah they everybody knew what they were doing when they had Lear keith go up there everybody knew what the deal was and they ran out and that's assault. She had to go to the hospital. She had absolutely pepper. She was blinded for a while. I'm curious. Does she, does she still talk about her experience or did that stop her from talking? Did she decide that's no, she will still career? talk. She will talk about it any anywhere she can. But a lot of they hate people who jump ship like Lear Keith more than anything else because these people are going, Hey, I was there for all these years. It didn't work. I was dying. Yeah. My body was dying off. That's the worst kind of vegan. My, my thing is, right, let me ask both of you guys a question. Do you eat meat? Yep. As often as I can. Yeah. <laughs> Daily. Okay. Yep. Do you care what anyone else eats? My clients a little bit for their health, but it's- well, wait, no, no, let's, let, let, let's take your job out of it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not really. Just in general, just some, some- No, never. When I go out to eat dinner, I order what I order and I don't care what other people order. That's, that's their business. <laughs> Same here. As a matter of fact, sometimes when I go out with friends, one of the things I'll do, if it's a steak restaurant, I'll say, you know, when people are going to appetize us, I'll say, yeah, just, I would like some mashed potatoes. They say, with your entree? No, I would like mashed potatoes right now as an appetizer and they'll bring out the mashed potatoes and I will take a spoon, I'll dip it in there and I'll take a bite and I'll go there. I had carbohydrates. Everyone, please enjoy. I don't want to be that guy. And I started doing this with Corolla and that group because they would, I would be there and then they would talk about it on the show. Oh man, Vinny came for dinner last night. I did good. I didn't want to be that guy. I don't care what anyone else eats. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Bring some fucking potatoes. I'll dip my spoon <laughs> in it. And we can move on. But I feel like my job on the internet is saying, look, there, there's a universal truth. I don't care what your truth is. That's some bullshit that the millennials came up with the woke crowd. This is my truth. I don't, I don't give a fuck about it. I don't care what your truth is. There's right and there's wrong. There's a universal truth to everything. This, this transcends diet and everything else. I don't want to, I don't care. All I care about is that we get to the actual truth, nothing else. Don't tell me what your truth is because your truth is bullshit. The biggest, I guess, complaint against the vegan movement is the will being pulled over the public's eyes and kind of that twisting of the truth and these, like you talk about the cow farts and all this other stuff and this being a major issue and it's not, and then talking about the blood, but it's actually myoglobin. And there's all these different areas where it, it's completely twisted. 
And then people are making decisions based off of that. Yeah, it feels like spin. For example, in the documentary, I'm curious. I want to ask you before I jump into this point. Did you ask Cameron, uh, James Cameron, to be on? No. No. But We tried to get to him and we couldn't. But Brandon was saying that the thing that's so frustrating about this is nobody looks who pays for the study. Nobody looks who, who wrote the article that said the fact that got picked up in the the court of public opinion and now is like the thing that people spout. Yeah, it's, it's better for you because it doesn't fill in the blank of whatever it is. It doesn't hurt as many cows or you, not as many animals get killed. Or, And then you look at, because Brandon and I wanted to watch a vegan documentary. And one of the things we wanted to do is ask you which one we should watch. Oh, yeah. He asked me which one was good. And I said, the only one I'd really seen was the one that James Cameron did. And I had to watch that one. And, uh, but having seen that, it, that doesn't make any sense to take the perspective of somebody who has this huge vested interest, like the conflict of interest much. <laughs> it's like, you can't, Business, yeah. you can't possibly pretend like that's a source that you can go to and feel good about it. It's like when Coke or Pepsi does a study on sugar being good for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's where we ended up because they give money to the ADA and the AHA. And that's why we keep hearing sugar is good. Every vegan documentary I've ever seen, I've seen most of them, Forks Over Knives, What the Health and all this stuff, The Cowspiracy. I'll never forget, I, I did, if you go back, way back, I did a couple of podcasts on What the Health. Because people at that time, people go, dude, did you see this? Did, yeah. There are a lot of things in that movie where I, I just <laughs> go, wow, how can you do like the guy, that the narrator, his name is Kip, right? And he's a guy, he wears a man bun and a vegan type t-shirt and the whole thing. And he's like a real dude, dude. You know, he's like, talks like this. And he, he opens the movie up by going, yeah, like I was just looking around to try to figure out like what the best diet would be. And someone said, like, vegan, and I was like, what? Vegan? What's this you speak of? And I was like, wait, Kip, you're the same fucking guy that was in Cowspiracy. Now you're pretending that. So the movie starts with a lie. And then they start doing things like eating one hot dog is like smoking five cigarettes. So if you give your kid a hot dog, you might as well have given him a pack of cigarettes. And they show them pouring cigarettes and hot dogs and kids eating them. And it's like all of this goofy stuff. It's just none of it. Oh, I true. saw that one. I thought that was like a really heavy handed, like throwback to this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. It was shot like in a very PSA thing. You know, there was one where they found, they found this one doctor who was African-American. And of course he was heavy set, but he was vegan. So they found the one black African-American vegan. And they, he, he goes, there's some Asian people who are lactose intolerant. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. And they found, they, so these Asians don't eat cheese. And there's some Mexicans that have trouble with cheese, which I find hard to believe because Mexicans put cheese on everything. And there's some black people who are lactose intolerant. The fact of the matter is, dairy is racist. And I was like, wait a minute, did they really just do that? In the middle of a movie, they just said some people from these cultures can't eat this, so it's racist. I, I'm not making that up. You would have to go back and watch it. It's That's crazy. Pretty you can stop any conversation by going, you're racist. 
It's like, you know, it's like everyone walking around calling everyone racist. And it's just not true. It's just, it's crazy talk when you watch this stuff. It's like we've chosen instead of to have intelligent argue, arguments anymore, or even just conflicts, like just conversation. It's like the only way to do it now is just to vilify somebody and be like, yeah. let me, what's the worst thing I could say? The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, Fire Within Nation. Has this ever happened to you? You go online to find a quick recipe for mashed potatoes, but first you have to hear about Grandfather's Farm in 1929. When I was a boy. <laughs> the first time you had a potato, and like six and a half chapters later, you get to the ingredient list. Tasted like dirt. Drives me nuts. So me and Joe have worked to solve that issue for you. If you head to firewithinnf.com and check out the recipe section, healthy recipes following the Fire Within way. And it's just the recipe, no blog, you're welcome. You'll find recipes like steak chimichurri. There's a bananas foster smoothie recipe. There's a sourdough French toast. Lots of healthy things. Make your own ranch dip and, and tons more. So head to firewithinnf.com. Check out the recipe section and enjoy. So I'm curious, what do people on the vegan side of the table say about your documentary? That, that either oh, pisses um, you off or... None of it pisses me off. I'm, my wife always says, you're, you're the most incredible human being in the world. Nothing seems to get to you. I watched it like a 20-minute thing the other day where a guy went point for point of my movie, a vegan, talking about all the things that were wrong with my movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all of it was just made up out of thin air. And I kept, I was sitting there going, hell, he could have called me. I would have, he could have asked me these questions like he was saying, well, Mr. Tortorich shows, I'm just giving an example, where wild hogs had to be shot, and that's the only way they could keep them out of the field. Has he ever heard of a fence? <laughs> like it's your field. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, is not my field. Number two, there's no farmer. What soybeans would cost if you had to fence off tens of thousands of acres. Yeah, what did he say? Million? I think the, he said it was 25,000 acres for that farm wasn't it in the documentary yeah. i think you yeah. mentioned it in there twenty five thousand. Yeah. you have an idea if you were trying to get, and by the way you would have to have prison style fencing around <laughs> you can't just put up a four-foot fence most of those animals can leap a deer can leap what seven eight you would have to have 10-foot fences with barbed wire on the top where most animals would get hung up it, it, that that's just a, a that's just a stupid thing to say it'd be fun for you to reach out to him see if he'll do an interview no, I don't, I don't want it because no one was listening to him anyway. I mean, one of the things people say all the time, they go, yeah, Vinny's bought and paid for by the beef industry. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, God, I wish. Can you guys call the beef industry? Tell them to send me a few bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Quite the sponsorship. I bought, I bought and paid for by the beef. It's like, please, beef industry, send me something. <laughs> send, me, send me a free hamburger or something. I don't yeah. But I love how they just make these weird. Oh, yeah, he's bought and paid for by, by beef, by big meat. I hear big a lot. Meat. <laughs> You're a power user. It would be a great porn name, by yeah, the way. Yeah, bought and paid for by big meat. Yeah, different yeah, movie genre. You're sure. gonna get yeah. your, you'll get your uh, power user t-shirt from big meat. Yeah. <laughs> power we, we were chatting earlier today, me and Brandon, about the show and, and excited to talk to you again. And one of the things that we were wondering is, didn't seem to talk much about the way beef was raised in the documentary. Is that because of the scope of the story you were telling? 
Do you have strong opinions that should be, be grass fed? Do you have standards for yourself? Or I, I was it, wondering it, out loud. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's an, that, when you're trying to get everything into 90 minutes, some stuff ends up on a cutting. That, that's why we have to do fat too. Yeah, you sure. know, because I would you know, I'm not a fan of a big factory farming and all that with the egg industry and, and also the beef industry and the hog industry. I'm not a fan. Unfortunately, in the world today, and I've had Dr. Temple Grandin on the show. I don't know if you, do you guys know who Temple Grandin is? No, I'm not familiar. They actually did a movie about her. She's, she's a bit of a savant. She has some sort of, she has several PhDs, but she, I want to say she's autistic or whatever. And they did movie. There's a movie about her called Temple Grandin. You probably see it on HBO. And God, famous actress played her in the movie. Can't think of her name right now, but it's a true story. And Dr. Grandin's still around. And the big problem, but it's a necessary evil, is to get enough meat to everyone. You end up with these factory farms. And there's got to be a way around it. And I'm always talking to people. I would love that all cattle were grass you know, grazing the grass their entire life and not, unfortunately, that's not always the case. Yeah. And we, we need to do better. Yeah. Not us just in, in the United States, Europe, Eastern and Western Europe and everywhere around the world needs to do better. When it do comes you think to it's them. logistically possible to get to that, to where it's affordable? Is there enough space on the earth? Yeah, yeah, there is enough space. I think they do it for cost, cost oh, measures course. more than anything else. And I've talked to, when you talk to the mitt learners of the world and my good friend, Peter Ballastad and some of these people, they, people who are way smarter than me, they tell you how it can be done. I, I glaze over a bit, I glass over when they're talking because they're so smart, but there are ways to do it. I just don't know what those, I don't really understand. So I don't want to go into it, Yeah. but if I ever did a movie on that, it would look like I was on the vegan side of it because yeah, they're right. They're right about that. They're not wrong. Well, that's a good point when we're talking about that polarization. Just because you're for eating animals doesn't also mean you're for the mistreatment of animals and don't care. And I think oh, that's God. glossed yeah. over. Yeah, yeah it, it is. And they make every meat eater look like we're, we're just these brutal. If you saw, if you ever wanted to go through and read my Twitter, you would go, my God, why is this guy even doing it? You think that'll change with Elon Musk owning it? I think it will because, for one, I'm hoping that guys like me won't be shadow banned anymore and that kind of thing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I like to see us do better, yeah. us as as a people yeah. on the earth today. Yeah, I like to see us do better. And aside from animal welfare, from a blood work perspective, somebody that uh, gets a lot of their protein from grass fed versus the conventional, if you look at C-reactive protein, an inflammatory marker, it's eight times higher in convention. And for chicken, it's 11 times higher for conventional versus organic. So the grass feds and, and organics and properly raised that do much, much better for health. That would be an interesting thing to dive into more. Yeah. And I don't know much about those numbers. I've been told things similar to what you've just said. And then I've had other people tell me, no, it's pretty close to being as good as the other stuff, except for and A, B, C, and D. And so I don't know where the truth lies. I, I would really have to do a deep dive. And that may be one of the things that keeps me from doing a documentary because on that, because I, I don't, unless I know what that universal truth is, and I'm not a scientist. I would have to hire a lot of scientists to go in and figure it out. I'm not really sure I can ever get to that because there's so much, there's so much smoke and mirrors around everything. 
So, by the way, I'm not trying to, we talk about the vegan side, the beef side has its own problems. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing drives me crazy. We used to all get along with it. And now I've always said, not everyone needs a microphone and the internet proves that. (laughs) You know, good sound bite. (laughs) I think one of the things that I left thinking after watching your documentary is, oh no, it's going to happen again. If you look at how we got into the situation where we got our food pyramid, and mm-hmm. it, it seems so obvious in hindsight that it was clearly lobbyists and people with conflicts of interest that went into telling a country how to eat that led yeah. us into a situation where the country found themselves very unhealthy. And then at the end of the documentary, you highlight a group that has proposed a plan and pitched it to the UN and without it being opposed and everybody thinks this is a great plan of a way we should eat. And if you haven't seen uh, the documentary that we're talking about yet, you should watch it, check it out. But it's like the recommendation on the amount of meat you should eat and you hold up like seven grams, which is like a block of yellow cheese that you see at like a nice classy party. And you're like, this is, and it's almost like, it's hard not to read a political vilify. You're like, Beef is okay, but it's this much. And so like we could all share a cow for 20 years kind of approach. It's just, it made me very nervous. You talked about finding universal truth. It seems like there's no study that says, yeah, if you eat this way for 10 years, here's a thousand people that did it. This is them versus a thousand people that didn't. And there's so much rhetoric and there's so much misinformation. And one study says this and one study says that. And it just makes you feel like, why don't you just let people eat? And why don't you guys just not tell people how to eat? It's know? not working. It's interesting that, it, you know, I'm glad you brought it because when I was doing the document, the reason I wanted to do a documentary was because we were going through the last election, the 2020 election. And what well, we knew who the Republicans were going to run, he, they were going to run the incumbent. So everyone was paying attention to the Democratic Party and the primary. And so I was watching a primary like everyone else. And Cory Booker was going, oh, yeah, if I become president, we're going to take meat completely out of schools. Of course, he's going to say that because he, he's a vegan. That, that's his agenda. And then they were asking Kamala, hey, Kamala, what do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get rid of meat. We'll get rid of meat. And I remember watching all that stuff going, wow, these are people who want to lead the free world. And they're just dismissing meat as the number one food that you can eat. They're just dismissing this. We saw where de Blasio in New York was doing Meatless Mondays. Now they're doing it out in California. They're explaining to a whole generation of kids that meat is bad. So we're not going to serve meat on Mondays, bad meat, and meat is bad for the environment. And I'm sitting there going, wow, they're doing this and there's no truth behind it. It's like at the beginning of, they told everyone, and you can go look this up. It's like, don't wear a mask. It doesn't matter. Mask won't work. That was coming out of Fauci's mouth, by the way. And wash off your groceries and it's on surfaces. (laughs) and. Yeah, and leave it stuff that was, these are the facts, and, and then you fast forward and say, yeah, those weren't the facts. Yeah, there was no facts behind any of it. And then all of a sudden they said, okay, if you can find an N95 mask, then, you know, that's the only one that works. But it needs, and, and they were even saying it needs to be applied properly with no gaps in the whole thing. And I don't know if you've actually seen an actual N95. It's not the KN95. The actual N95, when that thing is on properly, you feel like you're suffocating, right? So they said, that's the only thing. And then all of a sudden they started going, oh yeah, just wear a mask. Any people with the mask on with gaping holes out the side and the whole thing and drooping below this and around like a chin strap on their chin. 
And that, that was all considered wearing a mask. Some people would just take like a bandana and put it up over their nose. And none of this was science. But we had Fauci now saying, oh, yeah, just wear anything. It'll, it'll work. Okay, wait, you told us that only the N95 would stop something with, that's that tiny, right? Now you're telling us something completely different. And I was on a plane during COVID, and I asked the girl that came on, I said, I noticed all of you guys have a figure eight twisted in your, it's like, yeah, so we can breathe. It opens up the side. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So everybody, but we did this charade of wearing a mask. We're doing the same thing now with meat. We're going meatless Monday. Oh yeah. Messes up the atmosphere. Messes up the meat is bad. When you start putting that narrative into kids' ears, what do you think these, if you think the kids coming out of college today are fucked up with their woke movements, Wait until this next group comes who, who they're afraid of air. I still see, I see kids in the neighborhood out playing with masks on. They're so afraid of air now. What are we doing to kids? I, I don't really get it. The idea of them having a new standard for eating just really pinged me as very nanny state. Like, it's like, why don't you just, I liked what you said in the documentary about, why don't you just eat foods that have one ingredient? And it feels like it just passes the sniff test, which is a big deal to me. And Brandon and I joked in the episode we did about how funny it is to think, yeah, we should solve this meat problem by coming up with uh, some meat with super processed 400 ingredients in it. And you listed the ingredients and you threw in like love, Love. (laughs) which I think is actually on the label. That is on the label. Is that on the label? Yeah. Yeah, it's made with love. Okay. I, I, I can't, I can't remember. I think we threw it in. As a chunk. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that, but, but yeah, I don't know. I but, think it's just crazy to yeah. to try to wrap your mind around like the thing that's going to get us out of this problem that was caused by super processed, processed overregulated, and there's it. another product that's super processed and overregulated has all these ingredients and filled with lobbyists and people yeah. with protecting their own interests. And I like the point of. Why can't we just not care so much about what each other eat and not vilify each other and and act a little bit more appropriately towards each other and not <laughs> and not assume that because somebody doesn't agree with our philosophy that they are somehow also an evil human that must think everything else bad is good. Yeah, it, it makes no sense to me. Look, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've been out with friends. And uh, especially when I go to Louisiana, yeah, I'll go to a seafood restaurant. It's like, oh, bring me the broiled seafood and the whole thing. And my buddy's sitting there with fried catfish. And oh, man, look how good that looks. But I'm not going to eat something that was just dipped and fried in seed oil. So I'm just not going to do it. It's just not good for your health. And I beat cancer and I I don't want to have to beat cancer again anytime soon. So, but I don't sit there and judge my friend. I'm actually jealous. You know, because they don't have any kind of inner conflict of eating it and can enjoy that. Whereas, right. And and they don't feel bad about me eating what I'm eating. No one says, Oh, look at you with your broiled food over there. (laughs) I have heard people say, or maybe it's third party or hearsay, or maybe it's just made up, but a vegan being disgusted seeing somebody else eat a steak, or I like my steak really raw. And every once in a while, my wife will be like, Oh, that's gross. And I'm like, Yeah, but it's good this way. Like, yeah. the way you should eat it. Yeah, steak juice, man. There's nothing <laughs> like it, right? I, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems like everyone has a problem with everyone. We just moved to Virginia 
and we live in a neighborhood and I got wind not long ago that everybody in the neighborhood is talking about us you know, we're, <laughs> because we're, we, we moved here from California. It's like, look at them with their California ways, you know, <laughs> this kind of thing. And, yeah. Oh, look at them. You know, we're fixing it. You know, you, you would think, yeah, we took this house that needed a lot of work. We're fixing it. Oh, look at them throwing their money around. No, we're cutting a few trees and we're planting a few bushes. It's not like I'm driving a Lamborghini, you know, it's calm down neighbors. I think you there's know? a lesson in there. Just why do we got to assume people's intention? Yeah. yeah it's, you know, we just upped your neighborhood by fixing up this house. We just, we're, we're making your neighborhood better because the last people that were here, guy was old. They, they were getting old and they didn't pay attention to the house. We had a snake problem in a backyard last summer. It's like, Copperheads everywhere. I'm out there with a shotgun every other day, vegan, <laughs> shooting copperheads and vegans because I don't want my dog to die, vegans. Right. Yeah. Did you, you mentioned that you know there's a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor. If you made another documentary about impossible meat or, or the vegan lifestyle, is there stuff that you wish, is it categories of things you wish you would have been able to fit in here but couldn't for time? No, I, I really think I, I covered it. Everybody wanted me to do what the health, but in reverse. And I refused to do that. Like I said earlier, I was trying to invite these people to the table for you know, a little discourse. I don't know if I'm going to touch that subject again, because um, it, it, like if I do another movie and I'm not sure I will, I may. The thing that's got my interest right now actually is keto. I would do a movie on keto and because keto is just eating natural one ingredient foods, right? And now Slumfast has keto and everybody has keto and you can... You could go buy a bucket of sugar at the store and they'll call it keto sugar because they put monk fruit in it or allulose in it or something. And it's all bullshit. You know, you know keto means ketogenic. Somebody asked us, you know, there's someone's going, honey is keto. You can eat honey and it's operating. It's, it's sugar. Honey is not keto. So let's all calm down. Yeah. It's kind of like when something says gluten-free, just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's good for you okay. better for you often the binder they add to make it still stick is worse than itself and so yeah. labels, labels and food are misleading honestly yeah. as i tell everyone oreos are vegan that was one of the first are... points in the movie that some of the top unhealthy foods are vegans so if french fries sugar and pasta all yeah. vegan yeah all vegan. there's ever going to be a, an intelligent debate between the vegan community and Opposing points of view, or do you think it's just no, never going to happen? No, it's not going to happen. Early on, I was an early adopter to health podcasts, and my friend Rich Roll, who's a big vegan guy, he he wrote a book about eating plant based and running all these marathons and stuff. And Rich and I rode bikes together a lot, and. I brought him on my podcast to talk about it, but I don't have a problem with it. And then Rich, like everyone else, decided to start his own podcast. And he goes, hey, bro, Dudeski, would you come on my podcast, bro? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. went on this podcast and we had a civil discourse. And of course, the vegan community came out against him going, why didn't you jump on that guy? And why didn't you ask him the tougher questions? And why didn't you? So he literally asked me if I can come back in to do a second podcast because I was a much bigger podcast than his. And that's how podcasters used to get other people to listen right. was to got, get bigger names on. And he brought me on again so he could beat me up a little bit. <laughs> and he told me that I had to say, bro, I need to bring you on and ask you some tougher questions. But he still couldn't really do it, right? Because we're friends. We're going to go eat dinner at some point and we're going to go, our, our families would get together. It's very difficult 
you know, if I had Joel Kahn on my show, I'm sure it would just, it would be five minutes of us having a civil discourse. And then he would fall into some kind of, well, you're not even a doctor. It would just fall into that because that's what he really believes. So why do it? Now, if you can sum up your biggest hope for this movie and what people would get out of it, what do you want people to leave with? Yeah, just I'm an educator. You know, I, I started off in education. I just want them to be educated. I want them to, there's all these vegan films and I've put out some examples of the other side. G give it a look. Just give it a look. Yeah. You know, I don't sit here. When I do these movies, I, I, I do movies as if no one's going to ever watch them. <laughs> Like you, you wrote know, your book it, that way. Yeah, I wrote my book that way. I wrote my book as if no one. So I just put everything I wanted to in the book. Yeah. I don't sit there and go, oh, I better not put this in because I might offend someone. I just put it in. And I just let the chips fall where they may. And my wife, she'll come in and go, ooh, you think you should do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the shooting animals at the end, you think? It's like, yeah, this is reality. Just like in the first movie when I showed an amputation. Like, Look, you eat enough sugar, this is what's going to happen. I showed a foot falling off into a bucket in the hospital room. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's peace. It's things you'll never forget, but you need to have that. So I just want people to, to see what's up. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you coming back on to discuss this in a little bit more detail from your perspective. Again, the movie is Beyond Impossible. Check it out. It's worth a watch. Tons of information. And it's entertaining, especially as far as documentaries go. Yeah, for sure. And we so appreciate your input coming on the show. Anything you'd like our listeners to know? And, and if you could also tell them how to find you. Yeah, the movies are usually on Amazon. If you're in other countries, you'll find it in another VOD. So the movie is Beyond Impossible. The other two movies, the first one's called Fat a Documentary. The second one is, oh, I think I have a fat hat on today. Yeah. Fat a documentary hat. Yeah. And fat a documentary too. Those movies are out there. My name is Vinny Tortorich and I have a podcast called Fitness Confidential Podcast. You can check that out. I wrote a book called Fitness Confidential. That was some kind of juggernaut of a book. So that's it. You can find me at vinnytortorich.com. I know it doesn't roll off the tongue, but it's out there. You can find me. Thanks again. And we'd love to have you on again in the future. Anytime, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.